Welcome to Testimony, a musician story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. You wanna see where they stay Wanna go by their house and chill with them for a day No, we gotta be cool just on the strength of they person Well, I'm feeling that way for certain You see, I done seen a lot of people Been a lot of places Should have been a dermatologist I've seen a lot of faces It'd probably be cool But I never met Oprah Where she invited me over Like Papa Squad on my sofa Then she showed me around The decor is probably loca Inspiring conversation Sipping on the foreign mocha I never been to Switzerland Or to Nova Scotia Or watch a thunder play Two seats behind self all of these pleasantries can't compare to the heavenly or the joy in this owner that I found. One day I'm going up, I'm going up, I'm going up, I'm going up, and never coming down. Spoken word artist and rapper Shy Amos, aka Shy Speaks, was born on September 12, 1985, in Dallas, Texas. Shy was raised by her cousin and aunt because her mother was unable to raise her due to her brain being affected by an overusage of crack cocaine, as well as other drugs. Welcome, Welcome to Addicts Anonymous class. Introduce yourself by your vice, because we're all addicted at least to some degree. The first guy waved his hand, he said, Hi, my name is Narcissistic. My addiction is me. The second gal said, well, I can't believe I'm in this class. My addiction is in a bottle, flask, or shot glass. And the third guy said, hi, I'm TV and internet access. My addiction is to scoping out bodily assets. And then with a lump in my throat and legs heavy as lead, I said, I would like to tell my story. See, it was a miracle, that's why I wish that I could remember. 1985, the 12th day of September, a child was born. No one come on, because it was so relieving to see 10 pounds and 2 ounces is what she was conceiving. You see, the doctors had told the parents that the child would have a physically mental or crippled childhood. But it had a praying grandmother who wasn't taking it. She prayed as soon as they said that I wasn't making it. Yeah, I, me shy. And if that's crazy, listen up, here it goes, I was a crack baby. No, I never knew my mother in her natural state. And that alone holds me down like a paperweight. That's, That's a, a big, big puzzle piece missing out of my life. And I'll never know my father just to add to the strife. And though no one goes the extent that a real parent goes, I chose to be grateful because I had something close. Trina and Rose, I went to live with them in Holland Hills. That's probably why you used to hear me yelling, Holland Hills. But back to what I was saying about the parents that didn't rear me. They were likely both addicts. So Mr. Addiction was near me. Somewhere lurking in my DNA for a perfect chance to steer me. And clearly he got me. He tripped me. I fell. He said from age 6 to 14, you've been addicted to biting your nails I'm in you you bite them incessantly when you do it I feel you next to me that's what Mr. Addiction said needless to say I stopped and although it wasn't drastic or life-threatening you could bet that anything that reminded me of those parents that didn't rear me although I loved them dearly I wanted nowhere Nowhere near me. me Because after all, I was theirs. I was small. I was cute. I was something to adore. You would think that they want more and more and more for me. Or I had the slightest meaning to them like a morphem. Me. 
But nah, so from ages 15 to 18, I spent ducking peer pressure like a dodgeball, trying to be overlooked by anything that sounded like being hooked. Age 18, I found Christ, which means I found conviction, which means my old habits found eviction notices, and I noticed this became my new addiction. Peace became my pipe. Love became my light. I inhaled humility and exhaled tranquility. Every day, all I want is more and more and more. It became a habit. I realized that I am an addict, and that after all, me and my parents that, that didn't, didn't rear me, me, we are the same. same. Except that I'm just addicted to the right things. Addicted to the right things. All they know is one day my mom came home and she was pregnant. And um, but she was already, um, you know, in the streets and stuff like that. So she, she, her mind had already been, um, was already gone with drugs. So you, and questioning her and interrogating her about, who, you know, how did you get pregnant? And who's the, you know, you're not going to get a straight answer out of someone who's already whose mind is already warped by, by the sex of dreads. So we don't know. Which is very interesting. Although I was a crack baby, I did, I wasn't born premature or, you know, small or suffering, malnourished or anything like that. I was very healthy. I was also supposed to be born according to all of the drugs that were in my system, more than just crack. I was supposed to be born with a handicap. But I wasn't born with any of that, glory to God. Because I had a praying grandmother and a praying family. That's what they say. They prayed for me. They prayed over me and came here to this world, born of father that I do not know, a mother who who I knew, but I never knew her before her mind had been warped. And, um, yeah, I was raised in the urban area or the hood, as some people would call it. And so I remember my grandmother telling me that based on how my body was forming when they were first doing the original sonograms, you could see that the drugs were having an effect on me. So they saw that the drugs were having an effect on me, and they also saw that I wasn't I wasn't growing right and my mind wasn't working properly. So the doctors had suggested to my grandmother, who was the person who was making decisions for my mom, that they should just go ahead and have an abortion because there's no way that I would... It would be a, too much of a burden on the family, especially considering now that my mom, you know, her state, it wasn't going to get any better anytime soon if at all, because she had already fried parts of her brain from the heavy use of drugs. So some of that couldn't even be brought back. But they um, they just said, she's not going to be able to take care of her, and you're going to have not just a child that you're taking care of your own daughters, but you're going to have basically a major medical malfunction here. And so my grandmother refused to do the abortion because she just believed that well, whatever whatever God gives us is, is ours. And so, and I believe that God can go in there and do something miraculous. And so I believe them. So faith right there alone, um, it had to be faith because I was already not forming properly on the sonogram. Somewhere in between there and, and me coming, everything turned around. Like what you're hearing so far? Check us out at TestimonyStories.com. That's testimonystories.com, where you can hear content for you and about you. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at testimonystories.com. Testimony. Testimony where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. 
take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. This is Sean Speaks, and you're listening to Testimony, a musician story. So the baby the doctor said would be born with abnormalities and should be aborted came into this world healthy and weighing over eight pounds. Ashai still has no idea who her biological father is, but once her mother got pregnant, she married drug dealer Gary Amos. Because she was married to him once Shai was born, Shai took the Amos last name. Unfortunately, she never got to know her stepdad because while being jacked for his drugs, he was killed. Her mother, knowing she couldn't care for her baby, asked her 19-year-old niece to raise her. So with the help of her mother, Shai was raised by her cousin Trina and Aunt Rose. They didn't have the world to give her, but they provided a better life than her biological mother could have ever given her. I was raised in the church. Um, I always went to church since I was, you know, since I got here. It was nowhere, I mean, my grandfather's a pastor. We all go to my grandfather's church. We all sing. We all play some type of instrument. And we participate in church. That's what. That's the life that I was uh, raised up on. It actually came to a point where I didn't want to participate in church because I began to realize this is a relationship that's supposed to be with God. And if I'm not really plugged in and tapped in with the Lord like that, then I don't want to come here and do something in church. I want to actually be connected and then serve out of my heart, not out of my obligation or out of this ritual and tradition. So I always say this, and, and my friends, we joke about it, but I knew that I was raised in a church. I was exposed to the gospel. I was exposed to teachings of Christ and, and all of that at an early age. And I believe I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. At, a year, at about 11 or 12 years old. But when I got saved, it was my senior year of high school. I feel like um, the Lord exposed me to me and showed me how I was and who I was. So I felt like I wasn't living up to the salvation with which I had had been given. And I, I at that time, I guess by all technicality, I didn't just get saved. I guess I would say I rededicated my life to the Lord. I believe up, up to that point he was my savior but at my senior year in high school 17 years old going on 18 I wanted him to become the lord of my life like I'm going to dedicate my life for you I haven't been doing anything with my life to live it in honor of you I've just been living and so I want you lord to come in take control of my life and teach me how you want me to live it and that's actually what happened God he awakened me to myself and what he did uh, to me it was like it was almost like, um, almost like in the scriptures, but the scripture says it was in the year when King Uzziah died. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, his train flew to the temple, and then he said, I saw that I was a man of unclean lips. So actually what happened for me when I was a senior in high school, running around, being, I was rapping and doing all kinds of, you know, everything that I do now, but it just was not with any type of pure intent or any type of inspiration or uplifting in any kind of way. I was using a lot of profanity, and so God had pointed to me. He said, what you say, everything that comes out of your mouth is important, and you cannot be careless with your mouth. And so one day I was sitting in the car amongst my peers, and we were all talking, just just 
saying all types of things. And um, all of a sudden, I heard it differently. I sit in that same car. We, we ride, we rode around here all the time, going wherever it is that teenagers go, talking to you know as rambunctious and as we normally do. But that day, it was all of a sudden I had like conviction, and it wasn't because nobody had ever told me it was bad to cuss. In fact, the parents you know that I was raised around, they all used profanity. So prof- if if anything, it was that wasn't a taught behavior. That truly had to be to me from the Lord to say. You have to watch what you say. Why? Because you shy. When you speak, it's important. It's going to be important. But I first need you to purify your mouth. But before I can purify your mouth, I need you to purify your heart. And I need you to be able to see how I see it. And it's disgusting. So I was looking at my friends like, this is so unladylike. You know, judging. (laughs) I guess it wasn't really me holding myself to a standard. I really had to feel like that actually had to come from nobody. You don't know that one day we gonna judge angels? Oh, you didn't know that? Probably cause you're not reading enough to know the difference in condemning and showing love. I'm just saying. I hear your prayers, but I hear your excuses. I feel your pain, but think about what you're doing to me. Just because I'm a perfect guy. Even on the weekend, will you tell someone to meet me at the creeping? You so R&B, that's that rhythm and blues. You live your life with the rhythm that gives God the blues. Yeah, we know the rules, but we just pick and choose. God's heart is breaking and we on them ones and twos. Scriggity, scratch that, let's go in. Straight talk with no chase. We live bold, wrong lives and spit in his face. Live such a disgrace in the name of his grace that we abuse. I wonder if he ever feel used. And the sad part is this ain't from no atheist. Sitting in no high chairs, sipping brews. This is from the pews. The saints? Yeah, them. Mindset on mayhem. Sometimes I don't know what's controlling that cerebellum. Doing all this stuff, do we really think he's pleased? Please, we made in this image with feelings so I know he can be grieved. Testimony. Testimony. Where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Connect with Testimony and Musician Story through social media. Find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at TestimonyStories.com. Now back to Shy Speaks, Testimony, A Musician's Story. 
When you, when you, with a clean mouth, Shai graduated from high school, joined the military, and went on to receive her master's from UT Dallas in supply chain management. She currently works as an advisor, but considers herself a supply chain and financial professional who dabbles creatively in spoken word and hip hop. I realized that I have a gift with words um, at being able to, uh, as a songwriter, a lyricist, hip hop, spoken word artist, poetry, whatever you want to call it. I have the ability to reach people who wouldn't otherwise listen to anything that's pertaining to something that comes from gospel or inspiration through music, right? So because I'm a hip-hop artist or I'm a rap artist, because I can rap, I have the ability to reach a generation or a group of people that mm, Shirley Caesar may not. And that's with all due respect to Shirley Caesar. I'm just saying that some people don't listen to gospel like that. They they won't listen to music in that format. And so the format that they're more closely or um, inclined to listen to is uh, is hip hop. And if I why well, miss an opportunity to reach my generation, even the generation behind me, if I have this gift, why not use it so that I can communicate the messages that God wants them to hear be explicitly communicating with them about the gospel or just just communicating with them about good quality morals and standards. Just communicating with them from a Christian perspective about a regular social issue. Like why miss the opportunity? I could sit at work and be in a desk and do my job and be maybe a well-paid professional on the corporate ladder, but will I be able to touch the culture? Yes, I'll be able to contribute to the bottom line of a company, I won't be able to change a culture. And I really had a desire, not just for people and business, but to really shape culture. Up and never coming down to the level of the church folk. I said it, talking like that could probably get me beheaded. But it's true, because they waiting on that pie in the sky. And I'm not, uh-uh, nope. Let me tell you why. You may have heard it before, but please let me remind you. The kingdom of heaven is inside you. So internally, it's eternity. I'm on some higher learning, quit worrying about the infirmity. Hell no, I ain't trying to go, but even if it don't exist, empowerment was the risk. It's sort of like this, she's dead, so the doctor lays her back. But God made Arkansas, so I know he can raise her back. Power, and it's in me, so I'll be oozing out heaven till I'm empty. I never seen the moon or every continent, but I'm peaking by reaching for higher consciousness. I never seen the moon or every continent, but my faith is reaching for higher consciousness. I'm going up, I'm going up, I'm going up and never coming down. I'm going up, I'm going up, I'm going up and never coming down. While most people feel one side of their brain dominates their way of thinking, left side being logic and right side being creatively, Shy utilizes all facets of her mind. She analytically uses facts and language from her left brain to artistically express what her right brain visualizes and feels creatively through poetry, song, or visuals. This newly turned 30-year-old Christian woman on her grind enjoys some of the advantages that being single provides. Being single and in, in having a, a career in arts and entertainment is, um, <clears throat> I, mean, I think it's basically a, a blessing for me because I get to 
kind of come and go and do as I please. I think I've heard uh, many discussions and interviews about uh, women who do uh, hip-hop or poetry and or music in any regard and them having to be mothers and kind of have to be wives and having to you know, having so many obligations, so it kind of takes them away because their first priority is going to be home. So it takes them away from being able to kind of get out on the road and do what they need to do as far as um, grinding on the music scene or in the arts um, circles. And so I feel like me being single does provide me that platform. I don't, however, feel that if I was married, uh, plug, husband that's listening, I don't feel that if I was married, it would be a distraction at all. Being a, an, an attractive uh, woman, you know, not that I'm boasting that of my own. <laughs> no, but um, I feel like I get kind of like ostracized sometimes among my peers who, you know, hip hop and spoken word artists. I feel like they shy away from being around me, not because I'm not. Um, up to par uh, artistically and creatively with them, they don't want to be around me because they probably trying to avoid, you know what I mean? Like, they're trying to avoid uh, being drawn in to me outside of just an artist, just me being a woman and being single. That's almost like a, a, a red flag or an alert. So they kind of distance themselves. That's within the Christian context. Now, those on the mainstream world, I don't see that, you know, I don't see that as much of a problem. They see me as more of somebody to try to see if they can pursue. Um, and and it's like, it's, it's either or, and it's hard for somebody to really just view you as, this person is an artist, like this is what they do. It's not to date or to stay far away from, just treat them like a regular artist. And so I do think my gender comes into play there. And then I think, my my status as far as being single and married comes into play because if I was married, then the guys who are Christian wouldn't feel so far need to stay far away, and uh, my mainstream endeavors wouldn't feel wouldn't feel like I'm an opportunity to be pursued. So. You know we do a lot of doing and say a lot of saying But in the midst of that, we don't do a lot of praying And when I say we, I'm talking about me Boys to men said if you love, you get down on bending knee To the one who can handle us But we think we some managers We think we could dodge all our challenges Get it, call gas from our peers Got us pumped like a beach ball But we need the air, cause we have a slow leak Acting in my own strength So I think that I'm a beast Cause I ain't really asked for help in like four to five weeks and I think that I'm a hero pulling my own stunts. I ain't really called his name in like four to five months. That's the crux of who I am, and that's just how I think. Until I hear the problem, it's way above my rank. Then I see I'm out of balance, and I get so repentant. And then I want to pray every like four to five minutes. Yeah, not to the swift, not to the strong. I must admit, I think it's insane to do it on my own. Something is out of balance, I need to find a throne. Could you want me in that direction? I'm gone. It's been a long Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Everyone has a testimony, and we want to hear yours. 
tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Download the podcast of Testimony and Musician Story on iTunes. Find out how at TestimonyStories.com. A Musician's Story. You are listening to Shy Speaks, Testimony, A Musician's Story. Tell me, are you coming or are you leaving? Are you pursuing me? Are you retreating? Shy's latest EP, Invited, features a spoken word piece entitled P versus R and is accompanied by an incredible visual, which can be found at TestimonyStories.com. You seem into me. And I have to admit that I am a little amused, but I am mostly confused by the fact that you do not seem to know how you want to relate to me. You're faithfully inconsistent, and that's an oxy. You see, I just want something clean and clear like an oxy, but you, you sort of box me like a German fighter in 1933. So we disregard our history and agree to just be friends. And in the minute that I become cool, with the fact that we'll just be cool, you took a deep dive into that pool when you said, you said. I mean, I remember exactly when I said, look, I just want us to be friends and everything, but I'm just really starting to feel like we, we're really close, and I'm starting to feel like you could actually just be the one. Be the one. Be the one. I was inspired to write that piece um, or that poem because, um, of course, I've experienced the ups and downs of a relationship, being able to get started and then stopping and then starting and stopping because the guy is not really fully engaged. He hasn't really made up his mind whether he wants to really be your friend, whether he wants to just be, you know, he wants to be more. And meanwhile, you're kind of on an emotional roller coaster with him. So I found that through countless amounts of conversations with all sorts of women, all different ages, all different walks of life, ethnicities, and more than me, plenty of women have experienced that. They met a guy, he committed, engaged their heart, and fell back. And, and so just for me seeing that it was, I heard the story so many times from just listening to women. I'm like, okay, this is something that I went through and so many other people went through. We should address this. I want to encourage the guys to lead in a better way in the context of a relationship, not just when we're in the relationship and when we're married, even from the initial onset when you decide to um, express interest or even try to engage your heart. I think I think that them hearing my perspective or my uh, me giving the perspective of so many other women would allow them to um, just kind of hear how it sounds and maybe adjust their behavior. Hopefully, they're invited to lead. We need your leadership to be present when you approach us about our futures, otherwise we'll pass. These romantic antics need to be antiquated. We're dividing what seems to be schemes and equating that to a lack of character. So the next time you're about to engage the heart of a woman, challenge yourself like, whoa man, it's P versus R or R versus P. Will the winner be her or me or we? And will I see that I am about to act? But will it be based on feeling? Effect. Yeah, babe, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, with the ups and downs, the back and forth, I mean, I have good intentions, trust me, but, I mean, just to be honest with you, I just don't think that I know how to lead. How to lead. The final poem of Invited 
is RSVP. Respondez, s'il vous plaît. It is French for please reply. The host would like to know if you accept or decline. That is, will you be coming or not? And since I know your host, consider this my class on etiquette. Lesson number one. Each song is an invitation for somebody to do something, take a different type of action, or to be invited to a particular space, metaphysically or something like that, spiritually or just intellectually. And so RSVP was not like... Some of the other songs, Heaven, and then there's another, there's another song called Literary Now, and then there's another song called Go. Those are like personal to take action in your own life. But I did want to end with RSVP uh, because it, it it talks about the fact that if with any invitation, before you can actually, you have to, R, I mean, you should RSVP. And so many people kind of miss the opportunity to determine whether they will be or will not be attending. I saw that tying into the scriptures of how you kind of have to make a decision, kind of let the Lord know right now, who are you or will you not be coming? And so I just thought it would be a great way to kind of use a metaphor, so to speak, all throughout the poem, and then at the end show them how there is this great invitation that's looming over all of our heads, and we all have a responsibility there's no greater internal division than indecision. This challenge you create with choosing starts bruising. Your ability to trust yourself, you start losing out on opportunities because windows whisk away like dancers while you were wishing you had the right answer. Henry Ford said, Indecision is often worse than wrong action. Now, considering Ford's contribution to this world, his word should be enough to make you stop. But if not, it was your host who said he'd rather you be cold or hot, so please, at least pick for your own peace. Respondez, c'est le vous, play. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. <laughs>